Welcome to the Zero to Five Million Dollar Podcast. I'm Sean Finder, and I'm with my host, Ollie Whitfield. This show is brought to you by Autoclose, a vanilla soft company. Ollie, why don't you introduce today's guest and what we're going to be talking about today? And today is a very special guest. It's a good friend of mine. So, Ollie, you take over. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. It's not often you get to have one of your good friends and good partners on the show. So, welcome to John Mitchell from Rep Fabric, the podcast. How are you doing, sir? Great, great. Thanks for having me, you guys. It is our pleasure. And, and we thank you again for sponsoring and partnering the event we did a couple of weeks ago. We're, we're going to be releasing some of the content from it on the podcast too. So excited. Absolutely. For that. Well, I appreciate you guys driving this, the practice of sales as sales professionals. And uh, We love it. Yep. Well, um, I would like to start, John, if you don't mind. How did Rep Fabric start? What's the story? Like, how did you get to yeah, the so, name is awesome, but you know, like how did you, <laughs> how did the product come about, and how did the company start? Sure. So, in so I, I had a soft a software background where I was part of the dot com era, if you will, like late nineties, early two thousands, and uh, came out of college, graduated, working for Accenture, what's now or what's now Accenture was Anderson Consulting at the time. Had the opportunity to. Uh, really experienced that, and and several of my Anderson buddies left and went out to uh, what are what are now companies that have been either consumed by or or uh, built by Salesforce, for example. Uh, did a lot of SAP implementations, things like that, and had the opportunity that when the dot com boom melted down, I had about over a million frequent flyer miles and not much of a quality of life. Um, and so I, you know, I was serious with my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife, we have two kids and basically, um, had the opportunity to buy into a business called a manufacturer's rep business and a manufacturer's rep business is where independent reps are basically sales agencies for hire that represent various manufacturers. And, and those manufacturers vary from people that sell furniture cosmetics, uh, you know, Barney's coffee, Intel processors, and so on and so forth. So it's actually a really big market. And according to Bureau of Labor and Statistics, they, uh, there are over a billion, or sorry, over a million people pay their taxes as independent sales reps or agents for, for other people. And so um, anyway, had the opportunity to buy into that. The beauty of that is that you have a fixed territory, you get to sleep in your own bed at night, uh, have, a, have a fairly normal life, get to make some very close relationships with people. And so I ended up doing that. And we were in the electronics space and the electrical space uh, for the company that I bought into and had, uh, again, the the knowledge and software background to say, when I got there, geez, our business processes could be so much smoother and so much more optimized if, if we had good software behind it. And so uh, in 2007, we started writing our own software platform based off of uh, Lotus Notes, what was Lotus Notes at the time. Um, and, you know, and obviously that started to get long in the tooth. And as I'd go to sales meetings where we would be meeting with our manufacturers, uh, sales management, plus other reps in other territories, they, they would, you know, other reps would kind of elbow me afterwards and say, hey, man, that software you guys have sounds pretty amazing. And so um, during this time, Salesforce specifically was kind of growing up and we had the we had um, our manufacturers start to put in Salesforce. And as part of that, they expected us as independent agents to be filling out lots of opportunities and, uh, and different funnel information that they could use for their sales and inventory operations planning, et cetera. And what we found was that we were spending more time doing that than we were, were actually outselling. And um, so it, it ended up 
taxing us quite a bit. We were spending a lot of money within our agency to to uh, really hire people to rekey what our outside folks were doing and turning over deals. And in reality, since we were commission only reps, we only got paid for purchase orders. We didn't get paid for fancy reports and so on and so forth. So, um, so with my you know, software background, like I said, in 2007, we, we, we developed our own thing. 2012, we redeveloped it to make it cloud-based because our friends who were in a similar industry, just maybe a different territory said, hey, we'd really like to buy it. By about 2015, we had 25 agencies uh, and probably at the time 200 users or so that were using our platform. And, um, and then, you know, today we're over 300 individual logos, if you will, uh, on our, in our software and about a little over 3000 users. So that's really where we've grown to. And, you know, we have reps that rep everything from Toto and Delta faucet and American standard, uh, in the plumbing markets to folks that represent, uh, things, you know, um, in the electrical space, your lighting controls, televisions, uh, Intel processors, obviously lots of electronic component folks, because that's sort of where we came from. And uh, last count, we our software runs close to, uh, was it $8 billion through it in sales and about a half a billion dollars in commissions per year. So uh, our, our reps are, are pretty successful people. You know? <laughs> the, that's yeah. the origin story. <laughs> yeah. So, so I have a question. So obviously you built that network early on. You were kind of in that space. Anything you would tell the audience on, you know, really getting those first customers or were those first customers basically came from those relationships that you had before you actually started Rep Fabric? Yeah. So actually they didn't come from the direct relationships that we had. Much of it was formed from the early on uh, beginning and, you know, when you think about early adopters, there were the rep agency and the rep industry tends to have, you know, I'd say the average age is probably 55, but you yeah. had some agency owners that were in their thirties and looking at this, like I was saying, Hey, how do we really maximize this thing and, and really build an, you know, build an effective sales organization. So uh, what I would say is that at some point you have to make the leap. And, and at some point you're going to leave the job that gives you a, you know, a decent income, but you almost have to feel it like a calling because yeah. what's going to happen is you are absolutely going to be throwing the, you know, throwing the ball with your kid. And all you're thinking about is what you're doing at, at your job and what the next yeah. move is going to be. And especially early on, we bootstrap from the beginning completely. We haven't ever yeah. raised any money. Um, it's got its pros and cons. What I would say is that in five years or seven years now that we built it, I probably worked hours, hours wise, at least 14 of those 14 years worth of hours in those seven years. And, yeah. you know, it's not something to undertake lightly. I did it as well when, you know, I did it in the middle of my second child being born. I would recommend doing it early as long as you have enough knowledge and insight before yeah. that happens, because it gets scarier and scarier. And I think everybody, you know, has heard the stories of maximizing, you know, maxing out your credit cards, selling all your furniture, sleeping on a couch. And we were, <laughs> we're you know, still, we're pretty close to that at many points. And so you've got to have the, the guts to do it. And, and if you don't have the guts to do it, or you don't have the belief in what it is that you're doing, uh, you know, there, there, there's something to be said for working for folks and collecting a nice paycheck at the same time. So, so, um, so John, on that, you were saying that, you know, working super, super hard, which I think is, you know, 
part of the course for a lot of companies, especially when they're getting started, you just have to do that to get to that level. But at some point you do have to scale and sort of strip things back a little bit. So how did you go from that level of extreme to, you know, finding things that worked and then making it repeatable because, you know, you work in 14 hours a day, you can't double that. So yeah, somehow you got to halve it. Yeah. So obviously it all starts with good people and processes. Right. And, um, and so in general, you know, if, if you read the business books, what happens is that originally you're the task doer, right? And eventually you need to become the task writer. I always kind of looked at it like there are two kinds of people in the world. There's the people that do lists that they're given, and then there's people that write the lists and making that transition where you realize that, hey, because you have the domain expertise, because your heart's in it, because you're... Um, you know, you're, you're knowledgeable on every little aspect of what it is that you're building. A lot of times you can do things faster than anybody else. Sometimes it's 10 times faster than somebody else. And so what you have to do is get the discipline to be able to coach and, and build people beyond just doing it yourself. And, and that to me, honestly, has been probably one of the most challenging things to do. And, and in our case, one of the ways we do that is that we've authored things like skill competency matrices, where each role in our company uh, has a list of the 75 different things or 150 different things that you need to be able to do to, yeah. to excel in that role. And the sooner you can get those little tasks and those little not, you know, nuggets of knowledge down on paper, I think, I think that's how you're going to hire and give people a roadmap to their own career development and becoming more productive for you uh, as, as a you know, founder of a company, if you will, right? Yeah. So um, I know personally, because I've, I've, I've now known John for uh, probably three, three and a half years, and one thing I know is you guys have definitely scaled. Your business is definitely growing. Because I remember back in the day, you know, you were an easy man to get a hold of. And as the years go by, it's <laughs> tougher and tougher to get John on the phone. So the one question I will, and I know you guys have been doing this lately. Um, what are some of the key hires you did when you really saw that um, the business growing? Was it marketing people, sales people? Was it more developers? Like, where did you get those key hires to help you out? Because I know early on, like, you were doing absolutely everything. Um, and then it just, uh, I know you guys just had a rocket ship going last year. So I'd love to hear um, who those key hires are. Yeah, that's a, I'd have to reflect on that, but without question, you know, so one of the things that's kind of unique about our business is that it's very viral in the sense that um, when we have a manufacturer's rep agency who has friends that cover other territories. So for example, you have a rep agency in Florida and he knows the Michigan rep, when that rep says, hey, I put in this new software and it's great and we use the heck out of it, it tracks all our sales and commissions, we pay our sales guys off of it, et cetera, et cetera, it, it creates a virality to it. So I had the benefit of as long as I built great product, it would sell. So we, you know, we've really only ever had one salesperson and, um, and because we built great product, the word of mouth really drove it. Now, the salesperson I had was obviously key. And that's, that's where I would, I would initially start because, as they say, revenue fixes most, if not yeah. all, problems, right? <laughs> um, and then or I think- add more problems. <laughs> yeah, and can, it can, certainly can do that too. Um, you know, and then I think the second part of that is your delivery mechanism, right? And, and then to me, another key hire is a person who- um, you know, she was able to come in, understand the artifacts of, of, in a sense, doing big 
ERP implementations for these agencies, because in a sense, we're, we're more than a CRM, we're really an ERP for independent manufacturers, rep agents, and smaller manufacturers who use reps. Uh, and so having, having that client delivery mechanism, what most people fail to recognize is that hey, it's one thing to, great to, build, to build a great product, but it's the whole product you have to deliver. How am I going to train people? How am I going to uh, make sure that their adoption is high? Am I going to check in with them every three months to see how things are going? You know, that kind of stuff really matters. And, and I think the other part to that is, is forming the relationships that you have with your customers, right? Everybody hates, hey, I'm calling, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making a call to a call center and I'm going to sit on the phone for 30 minutes people don't want to work that way anymore. And so uh, having real relationships with real people has, has really helped us. It may not be ideal for scale, but if we look at, you know, the, the Zappos model, I think yep. when you're especially doing B2B type of sales, that's probably more important than anything else in forming that relationship with your customer. And last but not least, I'd say that because of that, because you have those relationships, your customers feel comfortable talking to you before they make a switch and, and a lot of times because you've been in their office and you've gone out and visited them and so on and so forth, um, you know, they, they don't, they typically, you know, like, like Jason Lemkin says, they don't, uh, they don't fire their friends, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I think, I think that to me, your client delivery mechanism and looking at it from a whole product perspective around how do I get training delivered to people? How do I uh, have ongoing coaching? You know, you buy the gym membership, but where's the personal trainer and having that personal trainer yeah. to ensure success and de-risk it for your, your clients is, is a big part of how you ultimately end up successful because it, at least in our business as a software product, there's always, you know, there's always some layer of bugs. Obviously we try to test out as many of those as we can, but when you introduce groundbreaking features and new technologies, there's going to be some bumps along the way. You just have to have to make sure that you're, you're, you know, you're not going to break somebody else's business. And if you do, you're going to give it a ton of attention until it's fixed right there in the moment, you know? So that sounds like uh, the answer to my next question, John, I think we've got time for one quick one and then we might have a wrap. So uh, I'm going to make a guess or maybe I'm completely wrong. I'd love to know a big mistake that you've made fabric and just by what you said there something that completely broke another company's way of working or something sounds like you might be talking about something there or, or am i just making it up what, what's your well you know you know you know it's it i would say we, we've been blessed in that there has not been anything catastrophic that we've done but what what keeps me up at night honestly is not growing fast enough yeah and and what i worry about is not you know, because we've, in a sense, had a, a, we bootstrapped ourselves, we didn't go down the VC route, we didn't go down the angel route, we didn't go down, you know, other than, in a sense, like me self-angeling it, if you want to call it that, um, you know, we, we built this thing from scratch from the beginning, and with, and our, our cash flow has been such that it's been able to support the team that we need and the development we need to grow the business, and what I wonder is, at some point, hey, would I be better off taking on some money or grow this, you know, grow this as is out of its own resources. And, and so what keeps me up at night is would we, do we ever feel like we should be big enough that we need money to fuel the growth beyond what our own cash flow has. And honestly, we've just been stuck in this pickle. So 
you know, if you ask me that question five years from now, Ali, I can probably give you an answer. <laughs> but right now, right now, that's what keeps me up at night. So it's the mistake I haven't made yet by saying, hey, we need to grow, you know, grow faster. And, and, and just one last thing I would, I would also offer along those lines is, hey, who, who's better? Are, are, are you better off being a, you know, a 10, $10 million company with that makes $2 million a year in profit? Or are you better off being a $100 million company that makes, you know, that makes 2 million in profit, right? Like, like, those are the kinds of things that um, you just have to, you just have to consider as part of the specific niche of the, of the product that you're in. And, and last but not least, I think for me, the, uh, the knowledge of the market. So we're, it's been difficult to research exactly the numbers of how many, you know, target customers there are for us yeah. and, and, and staying focused in our core beachhead, if you will, you know, some of the business book, books talk about staying focused in our core. Uh, we've, we've done that and, and we're doing really well in our core market, but just wondering whether it makes sense to kind of take the adjacent markets and go after those and raise some money to be able to do that is, is also what keeps me up at night. So it's, it's all about the mistakes I haven't made yet. <laughs> Perfect. Well, um, let's wrap things up. But before we do, I have one last question for you. Um, how do you self-educate yourself? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you read any books? Um, do you have yeah. time for any of that? Just let me let the audience know. And then also um, let everyone know where they can find you, LinkedIn, maybe your email, and obviously Rep Fabric, et cetera. Sure. Yeah, no. Uh, so absolutely. Like I probably consume one or two business books a day. What I do is, um, you know, even though I'm, I'm built like a lumberjack, I, you know, my highest and best use of exercise is to go running for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. And during that time, I generally listen to those uh, audio books. And when I find ones that I like, I listen to them six times during my, my, you know, three or four times a week type of runs like that. And, um, and so that's how I do it. And then, you know, I also try to use that time for, I guess, self-care is the popular word now, but in that note, you know, a little bit of a biohacker now that I'm coming out of the grind of, of working 16 hour days for five years, I'm trying to get as healthy as I can. And so, um, there's a lot of great podcasts to that effect. And, uh, Ben Greenfield's one of the guys that I especially like and listen to because he's a little bit out there, but there's some interesting cutting edge stuff there. So too. So that's, that's what I do. And uh, you know, if, if you are someone that, that needs to track sales and commissions and, and do the CRM work, as well as uh, you know, keeping your various sources, vendors, manufacturers on your line card, et cetera, happy. Uh, I, I would argue that we're the best in the business at doing that. We're, we're not just a CRM, we're a full backend platform. You can check us out at repfabric.com. I'm on LinkedIn at John Mitchell Rep Fabric, or uh, I think it's John Mitchell Rep Fabric, it's, you know, the, the LinkedIn backslash. Yep. And uh, welcome all connections, guys, and, and definitely check us out. Thanks again, Sean, and appreciate you, uh, you and Ollie giving us the time to talk a little bit about how we got here. Perfect. Well, everyone, you guys need to check out Rep Fabric and definitely connect with John. John, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute blast. And also, thank you to everybody that's listening here today. Um, if you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever in the world you're listening from and subscribe so you don't miss the next show. Thank you so much again, John and Ollie. Keep kicking it and go sell something, everybody. <laughs>